Hello and welcome to your December Investor Update. I'm Gary Shepherd, investment writer here at Nutmeg, and I'm joined today by our Chief Investment Officer, James McManus. Hi, James. Hi, Gary. James, uh, equity markets appear to have performed well across the board in November. Why is that? Yes, well, we saw back-to-back positive months for global equities for the first time in 2022. Markets really being buoyed by the hope that in the world's largest economy, the United States, we're finally seeing inflation begin to weaken. And that could allow the Federal Reserve, that's a US central bank, to potentially slow interest rate rises over the months ahead. However, the bank's governor, Jerome Powell, he's been keen to make sure that investors don't get too carried away. And he's been very clear with the message that despite that recent weakness, current inflation levels are still far too high and the Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise interest rates in the coming months to ensure that inflation comes down to a level closer to their target of 2%. At the end of the month, however, Powell offered the suggestion that the central bank could slow interest rate hikes as soon as the next meeting in mid-December. Financial markets, though, are still expecting a rise of half a percent in December, which is hardly a small increase in the wider context of monetary policy increases. Okay, so it sounds like the Fed is saying what markets want to hear. Slower interest rate rises have been positive for both bonds and equities. But what else was going on in November? Global developed equity markets rose around 7% in local currency terms. European stocks performing well with a relatively warm start to the European winter reflected in energy prices that are now far below their summer highs. And alongside that, you know, European countries really being effective in reducing their gas demand. Um, Emerging markets also had a very good month after a relatively torrid 2022 so far, the US dollar weakening and China-related stocks seeing a strong bounce from their recent lows on the potential for a loosening in COVID restrictions in China. Uh, Chinese stocks actually finished the month up around 28.3%, their Hong Kong counterparts up just under 24%, and that left emerging markets returning just under 12% for the month of November. So some encouraging signs for US inflation in global markets. Um, Having started to see inflation move lower, do you think there's a risk that the Federal Reserve could raise interest rates too much now, as some market commentators have suggested? Well, that's a good question. We're certainly seeing the impact of higher interest rates on economic activity, which has been subdued in in the services and manufacturing sectors. Uh, We've also seen a broad-based slowdown in the housing market and 30-year mortgage rates of over 7% in November. That said, the labour market is yet to show some signs of material weakness. Certainly, there is some slowing in the pace of hiring and the number of individuals quitting their jobs, but wage growth remains really strong uh, and unemployment low. And while that jobs market remains in robust health, services inflation is going to remain a challenge for policymakers. But it's important to remember just how hard the Federal Reserve has had to work so far to get inflation falling. And while it's no longer accelerating, inflation is still at very high levels. Um, There are also other factors at play, the reopening and the unblocking of supply chains being chief among them. And here now we're starting to see some really material progress. And as such, goods inflation is moderating. Uh, For example, we've seen secondhand car prices now in negative territory compared to where where they were 12 months ago. So where does this leave policymakers? Well, the Federal Reserve has always maintained that it will be data dependent in its policy, but it will need to see a pretty clear and convincing trajectory towards its target inflation level for policymakers to ease up on that inflation fight. 
That said, you know, having acted at pace over the summer, policymakers really have bought themselves the option now to slow down if they want to as the trade-offs on growth become more finely balanced. But for the meantime, central banks are going to continue to raise interest rates in that bid to lower inflation. You know, they're aiming for what is known as a soft landing, raising interest rates enough to control inflation, but to avoid plunging the economy into a recession. And, and that has been pretty difficult to achieve in the past because the effects of raising interest rates are not necessarily felt immediately, which is why as interest rates have risen, we've seen more and more talk in recent weeks of the possibility of a recession. Turning to the domestic economy, we also had a rise in inflation in the UK confirmed from data published in November. Uh, what did that tell us about the situation facing UK consumers and the likely course of UK interest rates in the coming months ahead? Well, unlike in the US, UK inflation rose again in November, consumer price inflation for October hitting its highest level in 41 years with an increase of 11.1% over a year ago. And that was higher than the average economist expected it to be uh, and actually higher than the Bank of England's forecasts. And it was food and energy prices that were key to that increase. Core inflation, that's inflation without uh, food and energy costs, uh, embedded in it, we're actually stable month on month. But interestingly, according to the Office of National Statistics, had the UK government not intervened to limit household energy bills, inflation in October would have risen even further to around 13.8%. Now, that will be little comfort to UK consumers, of course, who have faced a sharper than anticipated rise in the cost of living. And October's data showed that both food and non-alcoholic beverage prices are rising at the fastest pace since 1977. And that disproportionately affects lower income households uh, because that makes up a greater portion of their spending. Yeah, it's, it's astonishing to see how much prices have risen, um, particularly when you go to the supermarket. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Well, in time, the UK will benefit from easing supply pressures and, and falling goods prices too. Uh, and from an energy perspective, you know, crude oil, European natural gas costs remain far below their summer peak as the winter gets off to a much more mild start in Europe. Um, the government's price fix for unit energy costs is also now in place. That should help limit inflation moving further upwards into double digits. Uh, and the recovery, of course, of the pound sterling against the US dollar uh, in recent weeks will also help. But in a similar way to the US, the UK labour market still remains very tight. Wage growth continues to come through, uh, even as hiring demand shows signs of, of slowing in the UK. So where does this lead to Bank of England? Well, the Bank of England raised interest rates by 0.75% to 3% in November, underlining that need to act tough on inflation, which is currently more than five times the target level. And the bank's latest forecast for the UK economy made tough reading, although they were released before the autumn statement in mid-November. Their outlook for a long drawn-out recession is unlikely to have changed. And just how long and drawn-out could a recession be? In its base case scenario, the Bank of England is expecting eight negative quarters of economic growth. That would be the longest recession since the Second World War, though it should be said a relatively mild one by historical standards in terms of how negative growth would turn. Um, what does that mean? Well, it means that the cut to growth will not be as deep as it has been in, in past episodes. Um, and while that means it won't be painless, we shouldn't expect the same type of environment 
we faced in the aftermath of, for example, the global financial crisis. You know, we're unlikely to see a very sharp rise in unemployment, for example. Uh, and I think when we think about the infrastructure of the financial system, it's much more resilient and less fragile now than it was in 2008. Now, the Bank of England still expects inflation to start to fall sharply from the middle of next year as energy prices normalize and economic growth slows. However, it's also cautioned that inflation is likely to remain above 10% in the near term and above 5% actually for all of 2023. Interestingly though, there is still somewhat of a disconnect between the Bank of England and financial market investors in terms of the difference in expectations of how high interest rates will need to rise to combat inflation effectively. Now, the Bank of England's Governor Andrew Bailey suggested that current market expectations are too high. Uh, investors, meanwhile, think wage growth could continue given the labour market shortages we're experiencing in the UK jobs market, which of course could necessitate further interest rate rises. James, you mentioned China when it came to top market performers for November. Earlier this month, we saw images of protests from Chinese citizens against COVID restrictions, a turmoil which would seem at odds to positive market returns, right? Well, even before the protests, we saw signs of some loosening in the approach to COVID from Chinese authorities, despite near record high cases in, in China of COVID at present. Um, for example, you know, the quarantine for travelers was, was cut earlier in the month. Now, China's stance on COVID has been quite damaging to its domestic and trade economy, and that's had an impact also on global growth. Remember that over the past decades, China's economy has developed substantially, and it's actually a critical source of not just economic growth for the global system, but also trading volumes. And those restrictions have damaged that trade in recent years uh, for what is the world's largest manufacturing hub. You have to look no further than Apple's current supply challenges as a symptom of a wider problem there. That alongside a more explicitly inwards focused uh, policy has really damaged China's long-term appeal in the eyes of many Western investors and businesses. You know, put simply, the world's largest trading economy just simply hasn't been open for trade in the same way that it was before March 2020. Um, in this environment, Chinese stock markets and, and wider emerging market Asia, in fact, have suffered. They've underperformed peers as growth and confidence has faltered. Uh, a more inward-looking China and the consolidation of power at the Party Congress under President Xi has really heightened fears over topics such as the future for Taiwan, again raising the risks for investors. So a loosening of these restrictions, however far that, that now goes, will be treated as good news from a growth perspective, but it won't fully restore investors' confidence in the Chinese economy or the Chinese policymakers' inward lens in the coming years. That's really interesting. Thank you, James. Uh, so did you and the team make any changes to the portfolios in November? Yes, we made a small change in our highest risk portfolios where we trimmed our position in both US financial stocks and also in global energy stocks. Both of those positions have fared relatively well since they were introduced. And so with a view to rebalancing some of those winning positions, we took profits on around half of those positions and reinvested the proceeds back in the wider US stock market. Thank you, James. Um, as we come to the end of another year, uh, what might be the key themes for investors going into 2023? Well, we think many of the main themes of 2022, that's geopolitics, inflation, central bank policy, are going to continue to be an important focus for investors as we go into 2023. Certainly inflation is going to continue to dominate headlines, though we hope in a more positive way in the new year. Um, 
Of course, we don't have a crystal ball and we don't expect the macroeconomic environment to improve overnight, but we do expect there to continue to be good opportunities for investors who take a long-term perspective. Um, for example, after their sharp moves in 2022, government bond markets now offer investors better yields than they have done for much of the past decade. Uh, equity markets too also offer investors much more attractive entry points from a valuation perspective than they did say 12 months ago. Though we still think there's reason to be selective there and in, of course for volatility to persist into 2023. Uh, we're also looking at opportunities from the potential for the strength in the US dollar to recede. Um, what a changing landscape in China means for the outlook for emerging markets and whether also the events of 2022 that have placed such a focus on energy costs and energy supply are actually a long-term positive impulse for responsible investing and the energy transition. And we'll be updating our clients with our full 2023 outlook in the coming weeks. Thanks for another helpful update, James. It's been great speaking with you. Thanks, Gary. And thank you for joining us. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss in next month's Investor Update, you can contact us via email or on our social media channels. More information about this update is available in the description. As with all investing, your capital is at risk. The value of your portfolio with Nutmeg can go down as well as up, and you may get back less than you invest. Past or future performance indicators are not a reliable indicator of future performance.